Bigger than cakes. Give me some outsiders. Hello, welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach, and this week I'm joined by Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Zach. How's you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I was worried that I was going to be all sloppy from having, like, being anaesthetized in the mouth, but fortunately, that's not the case. I'm just all sloppy from just being sleepy. I mean, (laughs) would we notice the difference? I'd like to hope you would. (laughs) <laughs> and it's that hope that keeps us both going, Matt. So how you been, Zach? I've I've been pretty okay, really. Yeah, I, solid, solid three stars, I guess. I don't know. I, yeah, about probably, you? yeah, I've been I've been okay. We should probably say that this week we're um, here to discuss um, "No One Left to Fight" uh, by uh, oh. Aubrey Citizen, um, with art by uh, Fico Ocho and. Uh, lettering by Taylor Esposito but um before we get to that like what's um been your week really what have you been up to anything interesting um I guess I've done some things I um I finished watching Doro Hidoro oh fantastic um yeah it's brilliant it is I kind of it ended at a point that I wasn't <laughs> happy with um so it, it it ended and I'm like that's that's not even like a cliffhanger. It's just it, it there just stops being more of it, um, which I guess is the way sometimes. But yeah. it's, it's really good for like I, thirteen it's, episodes. It's incredible to think that they actually managed to adapt um, Doro Hedero because it's so like All right. No, no need to show of... off with your accent. <laughs> Shashiki, like Zach, don't let them know I'm learning Japanese. Um, does no, it it's, doesn't matter how many languages I learn. They're always going to come out with an old accent. Yeah. Um, Watashiwa. Um, <laughs> but no, it's... Yeah, it's like amazing to think that they managed to adapt something with like such a unique visual style mm. and make it still feel really true um, to the original vision. Yeah, it's... It's, it's pretty out there as a concept. Oh, it's and... very strange and very violent. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy violent and it's, it's... yeah, almost cartoonishly. Um, very much so, which I guess fits. <laughs> <you know. laughs> um, but it, it's also I don't know. I I feel like there's a lot of mangas and animes that have got quite a ludicrous premise, but this feels like all the ludicrous happening all at once. Yeah. Which I'm there for, obviously. The, the design aesthetic is so sort of like heavy metal album cover. Yeah. Um, like, you know, it could, like, some some of it could be like a Gorgoroth or like a <laughs> Megadeth or something. I can, I can kind of see that. I don't know if that's, I don't know if I'm happy I can see that or if yeah. it's, um, um, but, but no, it's, we it's should, real good. We, we should, um, like, we could discuss the manga or like the, uh, We'll do some episode discussions of it at some point, and uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, that that could be fun, and I'd like to think other people will find it fun as well, and not just me and you. <laughs> but, 
Uh, don't else? jinx it. Um, I've also finally, and it's been sat on my shelf for about forever, decided to start reading Nowhere Men. The uh, oh day. yes, you did mention this to me. Yeah, I. It's it's good, I guess, but it's <laughs> it's, it's surreal. I Is guess. Nowhere Men the one that was pitched as being about like the science Beatles? Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, so it's f- four scientists who have nothing in common except that they do science coming together to change the world. But it's also, it's like framed with the kind of, but they immediately fell apart. You know, there's there's one guy who's crazy into, you know, drugs and being weird. And obviously he leaves and then they all have creative differences and it all falls apart. And their kind of effects of what they've done is felt throughout science which is yeah it, it's beatles isn't it but with science and it's in reading it in trade it's like impossible to know what's an issue because it's all broken up by adverts for products that they've made yeah. and newspaper articles chapters from books written about these four guys um there's a lot to deal with and i feel like it's the kind of thing you would love because there's so much like to very- unpack very heavy world building uh, yeah like like the, there's a two-page spread that is like the science chronicle awards for the top 10 various things so male thinker of the year female thinker oh, of the Zach, year, I'm like of the year. myself but obviously every single name is made up so it's a, it's like a bunch of awards with top 10 lists of people that don't exist which is yeah like, and talking about like what they're like what they're being why they're being nominated and it's, oh. it's super weird but um i i'm like i've nearly finished the first trade and i was kind of like yeah i can see me reading more of this and then apparently the second trade it looks like it never came out it looks like there were five out of six issues released and no physical trade or anything so oh no because um, I remember, like, when the adverts, like, um, initially came out, like, the promotional stuff for Nowhere Men. Yeah. And then I remember it, yeah, just, like, disappearing, and I just assumed it was a uh, limited. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that it could probably have only ran for, like, 12 issues, but it's strange that I think it drops out at issue 11, and mm. then it wasn't collected. Yeah, that's um, particularly odd. Especially when the first trade had like variant cover, like they they did a Beatles variant cover where the you could get a copy of the first volume that was entirely white with just a like embossed Nowhere Men in the top corner, and it's like, yeah, I'm I'm here for that level of Beatles reference, but. <laughs> I feel like if you were that confident with your first trade for there to never be a second or not a finished second is kind of weird. Do they ever do anything to, in what you've read so far to do with the um, Paul is dead conspiracy theory? Um, see, there are weird... So their like, equivalent of Paul is a guy called Simon who they keep hinting at him being like constantly looking young. And disappearing from the public eye to live in a mansion that where no one knows the location of, which does have very much like you're trying to say that he's dead and no one can find him. But then they also do that with a guy who I feel like is the Ringo of the group, who's the guy who's like the weird guy who did a lot of drugs and then 
he disappeared two yeah. years into the project, and I think and then so, reappeared voicing a like a, a, a like a, a train. I mean, that's not rule it out. It's a pretty um, weird book, and like. Yeah, the um, and then there's the George Harrison, who's the best one of all of them. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, I was going to ask the question, who's your favorite Beatle? But I think you just answered I, it for everything. I, I, I joke, like it might be George Harrison because <laughs> uh, he seems like he was probably the nicest one as well. Yeah, it, it's weird, isn't it? Because when you choose your favorite Beatle, you have to really ask yourself what the criteria is for being your favorite Beatle. He also just seemed like he was always like he was having a lot of fun. Yeah, and there are definitely times where it seems like John was not having any fun. And yeah, John was kind of an asshole. So <sighs> some cracking songs in him, though. Some weren't there? very great songs. <laughs> um. I also, incidentally, I found the best way to enjoy Nowhere Men is to blast the Beatles whilst reading it, just to really hammer home the feel. Yeah. Now, who's, like, what about the Scroll Beatles? <laughs> I, I'd forgotten about Scroll Beatles. Yeah, they're I, very good. The, the Beatles reference that always comes to me that no one cares about is, do you remember that episode of the Powerpuff Girls? Oh yeah, the beat alls. Yeah, and they, yeah, yeah. they do that like documentary it's, thing. It's and like it's fu- and fuzzy in, brought the rock. Yeah, and like, is it all of the spoken dialogue is like, um, is Beatles lyrics in the episode? Like, that's not from the narrator because like, you have like the police chief who does like lines from like, help and I, stuff like. I honestly can't remember if it's all the dialogue, but there's definitely a good helping of it. Um, I'm going to need to rewatch that. It's now. a very good episode. I, I, I really love the Powerpuff Girls. It's so good. Like, it's the it's, cornerstone of my childhood. It's yeah. One like Craig McCracken has like such a solid um, like animation uh, catalog. Like, uh, mm. between that, like, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, Wander Over Yonder, um, all, like, really solid stuff um, for, yeah. like, for kind of, apart, like, Wander Over Yonder, you know, I was, like, in my early 20s, I think, when it was coming out, like, mid-20s, mm. um, but the other stuff was, like, during my, sort of, like, Pap of Girls was, like, when I was like 10 or um, like 11. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and the, but like Foster's Home, I was like 13 or 14. Mm. And it was like, uh, I was like, oh yeah, no, this is great. Yeah. Um, cartoons are fun. Remember? Oh man, I love me some cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> um, um, so, so how about you? You've been doing anything? <laughs> um, just like, Honestly, I've been battling a horrible addiction to um, Apex Legends um, again. Like it happens to me. Like every few months, I'll remember that even though I'm terrible at first-person shooters, like yeah. I will occasionally like one a lot. And mm. Apex Legends is like, yeah, every few months I just go like, I should probably play that again. I really liked it. 
Um, and they've just had a new season launch, um, so oh, okay. new characters and a new weapon and stuff. And I'm like, maybe this time, maybe this is the time I'm good at the good at a first person shooter uh, that isn't like one of the Time Splitters series. Um, like, apart from that, um, I've been, uh, yeah, I, I finally watched, um, like, uh, the, um, uh, The Duelists. It's like a 1977, um, Ridley Scott film, uh, okay. that has, uh, some really excellent, like, film sword, like, a film sword fighting, mm. um, to, like, as, as someone with an interest in, um, in, like, sword fighting and, um, weaponry, kind of, like that, it was a really interesting watch, like, it's not, whilst, like, almost all of the, the duels, um, in the film are relatively short, there, there's a lot if you're watching it for the for the combat as well, and actually like for the kind of choreography of it all. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot to absorb. Um, I yeah, I, uh, I I liked it, and I now remember how much I liked the bit of like uh, when I when I got to do saber. Um, like fight saber for a little while, um, and it made me really want to go back um, to doing that. Even though the film is literally about a person being haunted by ha- by having to duel this uh, this man again and again and again over years, so it's like at the same time I was like, huh, it's pretty fun. Uh, I feel like I maybe missed the message. Maybe a little bit, but, you know, that's part of the fun, right? Exactly. <laughs> if you're not allowed to misinterpret a film... Um, what are that, you allowed to do anymore? Exactly. You know? you know, like, I, I have... I, you know, I, I'd say I have a decent reading of the film, but also, yay, weapon fighting. <laughs> uh, that might be one of the most matte things. <laughs> um, I... Yeah, so um, that was kind of my week was... I'm trying to think if I read any comics apart from um, apart from One Piece, um, mm. which I'm still going through, and um, I've and uh, I've been reading a bit more of uh, Chainsaw Man, um, which is excellent. I don't think I know Chainsaw Man. Please tell me more. Um, so it's kind of it's very. <laughs> Sorry, the pose you just struck as you told me to tell you what is um, a, a tad distracting. Um, but yeah, no, it's this. It's um, a Shonen Jump uh, manga about a, a, a man who like can turn his body into chainsaws um, and has to fight, uh, has to kind of fight and kill. Um, like demons, um, for uh, for to 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 make um, ends meet. It's horribly violent and sad. Um, 
and an excellent, excellent read. I the pro- the problem is like I genuinely actually don't want to say much about it. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, because it's the rare book that I actually think is in- is better is like genuinely better enjoyed going in fairly blind apart from the knowledge that like it's very very violent mm. and That's being fair. kind of prepared for that um yeah so I, I i would say definitely give it a look like the in i finally got back on the um shonen jump app mm. um recently because it's only like one pound 99 a month That's not um, bad a lot of content mm. um so i i definitely say yeah give it um give it a look yeah i will do definitely um and oh it has a very cute um chainsaw dog devil um called pachita um so um zach why don't you um, tell us uh, tell us about our sponsor for uh, the show? So our sponsor is Travelling Man. They're based in Manchester, Leeds, Newcastle, and York, and they sell comics and manga and board games, RPGs, uh, CCGs, all kinds of Gs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what that means. If if there's a G, they've got it. <laughs> um, but they've uh, they've hooked us up with comics often. Um, most recently, they have been selling things online through TravellingMan.com. But as of not long ago, I think Manchester and Newcastle are both now open for click and collect. So, oh, that's good. The extent of them doing click and collect i'm not sure of i know it was definitely involving single issues so you could collect your pull or well that's about it with single issues i guess but yeah I- i'd like to think it extends beyond that i know there's stuff that's in stock in traveling man shops that isn't necessarily listed on the website so it would be nice if there was a little bit more flexibility with the click and collect but i don't have all the details so do, do some Googling. If you're in one of those four cities and you like <laughs> stuff, do your own research. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. are your two dads. We don't, you know, you, you don't need us to do all the work for you. You're a strong, independent comic book reader. So talking of strong people and comic books, let's well talk done. about No One Left to Fight, a book where someone is, has been so strong... There was no one left to fight, man. I don't know what to say. Um, But to to make a a comment on our other sponsor, um, Manchester Comic Book Club is um, where we read No One Left to Fight. And um, am I sponsoring myself now? Is that what? I think so. Killer, why not? Let's do it. Um, So if you want to join in with Manchester Comic Book Club, because obviously we're meeting online at the moment, the the world is ending. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, we are meeting the first Tuesday of every month on Skype. You can track us down to learn more about that through Facebook. We have and, uh, Facebook. Twitter. 
Twitter. We are at Mank Comic Book for some reason. Um, and yeah, hit us up. We'll um, we'd, we'd love to have more people from wherever you are. You don't need to be in Manchester like we are. And yeah, so that's that's my pitch for Manchester Comic Book Club. You got anything you want to throw in? Um, no, I'd just say that we're a pretty welcoming uh, group. We read all sorts, like, um, and we're always glad to have new people along. So uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, as I was saying, no one left to fight. Yes. Um, do you want to? Sh- shall we try and give a pit, like, an explanation of what this book is? Yes. Do Do you want to go, or am I going? Who's, who's going to go? Let's kind of let's collaborate. So like, I'm listening. <laughs> um, yeah, Aubrey Citizen's back with a brand new invention. Um, so, so yeah, as I was saying before, it's like written by uh, Aubrey Citizen and with art by um, Fico Ocho and uh, lettering by Taylor Esposito. It's a. They describe it as uh, like on the cover in quite bombastic terms as the uh the comic book you always wanted <laughs> which i i really love i i, 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 love, I love the i i love the guts yeah that's like the sheer to call, confidence to call your shot like that to just like get your bat your baseball bat and point out point to the uh point to the other side of the stadium and <laughs> just go like yep to go in there um and like it's the the, the compromise like i say is that uh the the main like the it's it's an ensemble cast but the main character um veil mm-hmm. um an indeterminate probably roughly about 10 years um have passed since he defeated kind of the final enemy um, of his sort of martial arts journey, um, Gore Despo. Yes. Um, who I kept accidentally reading as God Despot, um, which I think... Equally is the, works. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he defeated Gore Despo and ever since has kind of had a lack of purpose yeah um he's like worshipped uh by the by kind of the people of um of of the world who view him view him as their savior Mm -hmm. and um yeah now he's in a situation where so he's having to deal with the reality of there of there being nothing left to distract him from being an adult and kind of the all the emotional um problems that kind of built through a life of never kind of of never really having to do anything other than train and then fight yeah um and so he contacts his old um like fighting and traveling friends and rivals um like uh timor and krista who have since uh, married and had um children mm-hmm. um to go with him on a journey to where he defeated 
uh, Gordespo. Um, yeah. For indeterminate reasons. Yeah, yet, it's, it's uh, not really told why. No. It, so let's be clear. Like This book ended with five issues. Yeah, and it very much feels like there, there could comfortably be more. Well, there's there was meant to be. Yeah. And it's... I mean, hopefully, there will be in the future. Um, yeah, I, I would like to think so. But, yeah, it's... So, like, as well as that, it's also worth saying that it's very heavily kind of inspired by... Um, like battle manga and battle anime, particularly um, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Yes. Um, like it, it wears that kind of on its sleeve. Like Timor um, may as well be kind of like Ninja uh, Vegeta. Yeah, a little bit. Like Krista is like r- robot arm Bulma, except she actually gets involved in the fights and stuff like, and is actually kind of... She has a giant sword, she, man. She has a giant sword, we find out, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, But, like, it's, yeah, like, I, like, I like um, some battle manga. Like, I've been a very, very long-time fan of um of jojo's since i since kind of i accidentally discovered it on the dreamcast um, okay with the, um with like the stardust crusaders uh mm. fighting like capcom stardust crusaders fighting game back in like 2002 2003 i think that would have been um maybe a little like a bit of around then um and then like the original stardust crusaders like ova um, that was early 2000s and stuff, and, and like Hunter Hunter is something that, yeah, it's something that I kind of really love. So, like, I have a, like I say, I have a fondness for like interesting explorations of Battle Manga, and like Dragon Ball, original Dragon Ball, is, I, I think, like a masterpiece. And mm. so, like, I love a book that is... I I love the idea of writing the book that takes place after those books have ended. Yeah, I I agree. And I feel like this is an opportunity for Aubrey Citizen to kind of say everything that he feels isn't said in battle mangas, almost. Yeah, like this... Well, in most, I mean, like, I'd say that... I'd say Hunter Hunter comes close to saying some of it, given that like it has one of the most some some of the most emotionally destroying um, scenes ever. And there's a part uh, like there's a there's a there's a fight in there in one like that is about that that, that entirely comes down to um, mankind's ability to be to towards limitless um, cruelty and um evolution and we like when threatened with near extinction mm. um in fight even in a fight that we can't win 
we won't lose because we will do something so ungodly evil. Um, so, like, some battle mangas sort of explore that, but this is a different sort of thing. Like I say, it's like, yeah, it's that sort of thing of, like, characters characters who are kind of during the process of battle manga often kind of in, infantile mm. in some ways because like you know like Goku is a Goku is a grown ass child yes he is a child very much so body and like is the kind of reckless fun side of that whereas mm. like Vegeta is the toddler lashing out and like the kind of negative sort of like the, the kind of much more negative aggressive side mm. of that and like so the whole thing of like yeah when what happens to these people when they do grow up and like I say when when that when those personalities and stuff can't carry you through life anymore because you need to do more than punch people. <laughs> yeah. And and it's a, it's a valid question and I think it's an interesting kind of exploration into what lies beyond being the hero all the time. Yes. Like what does being the hero do to you? Yeah, and and as we see here, that obviously Timur and Krista have found each other, and they they've got a family life, and they've got kids, and they've got a pet squid, I think. Um, with yeah, called you, Pod, called Pod. Kids are called Tay and Tor. You can assemble your own joke from that. Um, I love Pod. Pod's great. Pod is great, and they've. So you know they've they've walked away from being the big heroes and come away with kind of everything they could, I guess. Whereas Vale is the opposite of that and has walked away with just these old victories, I guess. Yeah, like, and it was a thing that I talked about kind of at length in comic book club, but like. One of the things I appreciate about the whole situation is that you get, like, it is the way that Vale and Timor interact in the sense that you get the feeling that Timor has actually grown up a lot. Yeah, and whilst he's got some rightful bitterness about some things, like, it sounds like he had a very terrible and abusive childhood. Yeah, definitely comes across um, that way. It, you feel like he, for that he's prob- he's actually quite well adjusted, mm. but then have but then when Vale comes back into their lives, he becomes Vegeta. <laughs> Again, yeah, it like instantly like, becomes Vegeta because he's faced with this kind of moment where he wasn't the he he didn't win, kind of the sense of like that that moment where his strength isn't seen as having been enough, 
and mm-hmm. that sort of rivalry reunites yeah. with them. It's it's that it's 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 exactly like I say, like that person who you knew in college or who you knew in high school, who no matter how much you've grown up and kind of matured since then, when you see them, you just slip back into old habits and old like old slang and old jokes and stuff like and it and it's very much that he's you know he becomes like incredibly defensive and paranoid and just uncertain of himself and even in his relationship with his wife like Krista is definitely the most well balanced yeah, she she just seems like she's completely aware of the situation. She's got herself together. She's yeah, much more well rounded than yes everybody else. I mean, okay, yeah. f- fair play. There there are characters we see less of, like like Fargon, the crab man. Uh, oh, Fargon. He, he seems perfectly well adjusted. Yeah, actually. he does. He has a boombox. Um, he has like some gold looking chains. Um, uh, he is seems pretty fun. Like wears uh, uh, shades um, on not his iPod, his eye stalks. Yeah, it's it's such a such an image, isn't it? He's just got everything going on. Yeah, but again, like you feel like because like Fargan is like almost is is kind of the Piccolo. Um, yeah, definitely. In the, like he's definitely like an old enemy. You get that the, the feel of, and also is the one who he he is also kind of the one who looks after the children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think whilst so so whilst we see this these characters and some of them are a bit of a mess and some of them are well rounded, it feels like Vale is aware that his life hasn't gone as it could have and he keeps getting these flashes of i don't know how things could have been i guess um which yeah like like a lot in this volume it's deliberately a little unclear as to whether he's just seeing like um that that whether he's just seeing alternate um, alternate futures, whether he's just having like dr- dreams. Yeah, it's, he it's... has some. He ha- he's having some sort of medical issue. Like he is ill. He is dying, or some something of the sort. Like the yeah. and this seems to be connected to it because it's always denoted in a way that shows that he's in pain when it happens and loses connection. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, with uh, the real world. And I I think it's in things like that element of mystery where he's he's clearly flashing onto some other possibilities Yes, that that do suggest that, yeah, this is very much a first volume and there's hints of what was to come. And apart from one of these visions like which is kind of like the first one where he kind of sees himself with Krista 
Yeah. Apart from that one, they're all things he could have if he just let himself be happy. Yeah, it, it does kind of feel that way, which... It's, it's so incredibly sad. Yeah, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking in a utterly surreal way at times. Yes, like, you know, he sees himself with, you know, his, with a, with like a childhood friend who, you know, is in love with him. He sees himself, you know, as an old man mm. sat in the forest um, fishing in this, uh, in this pond surrounded by woodland friends. Um, <laughs> as you do. As you do. And in all all of these visions, he's genuinely, like, ha- has this contented look. Like, yeah. He's happy. And it's a look you, whilst you see him smile and stuff in the, in the book, it's never as kind of genuine mm. as in some of these visions, apart from one moment, I would say, actually. Um, during the only real fight of the book when he hugs Timor. Yeah, so in, in that final showdown where we kind of see the revived Bruton. Yes, they're, they're an old enemy of who, who we can, you know, who we know they, they thought years ago. Who I'm sure his his face mask definitely has a Jim oh, Carrey reference has, in there. Well, it's 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 the mask. Like it has the bar. Yeah. At the top, like it's it's the it's Dark Horse Comics ass the mask. It's not just a mask. <laughs> <laughs> it is the singular. <laughs> um. Oh man, who who have we become? <laughs> it, it's. So in that fight, we kind of see a lot of, you know, obvious Dragon Ball Z fan service type appearances um, in the combat. We, we see things like, yeah, the, the fusion attempt with the hooks and the, you know... The Super Saiyan. Yeah, the Super Saiyan and the Kamiar wave equivalent with the Bambalam. Which, yeah, Bambalam works. It's a really good one, though. I always find myself going, "Whoa, whoa Black Betty." Yeah, of course. Which I'm all for. Yeah, just am. Um, um, it's a it's a great substitute. I was genuinely like, it made me smile when I first uh, when I first came across it. Yeah, it's it's a fun take on it and I, I i like the idea i like the idea that aubrey citizen had to sit somewhere and come up with what his version of you know the genki ball was going to be or the kamiar or yeah I, I i feel like the unbelievable pressure to try and come up with a name as good is something that he's he's risen to quite well in this yeah it's um it's it's that they're, they're all pretty good um like i i don't like i i think most of the most of vegetas um 
attack names are pretty dumb apart from Final Flash. So literally having some like the fact that one of them is just called in in this team wars is just called blast barrage i was like that's about on par yeah with, a, uh, with most vegeta attack name oh is it is it piccolo who's got special beam cannon piccolo has the best um like attack names um, um <laughs> he has special beam cannon the hell zone grenade um like like grenade i feel like we miss out on seeing what aubrey citizen would have had to do with piccolo as this like move set i'm trying to remember it. oh yeah because in japanese it's the uh mankan kosapo um is the is the name and i i yeah it's um literally like translates literally as demons penetrating killing light gun <laughs> now yeah fuck Fuck the Kamehameha. <laughs> um, I want the demons penetrating, killing light gun. It's the a thing beam is, and it drills. It's that glorious thing that we do see sometimes, obviously, where like Japanese wrestling moves and manga attack names sometimes come so close to each other. And I, I, I feel like demons penetrating... Yeah. It, killing light gun killing light gun is equally believable as like oh oh yeah like you could see like okada uh, yeah if or, like, told, boat soldier yeah if you were told that was the new finish you'd be like yeah of course yeah. all right oh yeah like, it, it's oh. like the, the beauty of new japan uh, well any japanese wrestling but new japan's the easy example where we get told yeah. like what's the finish it's called the bloody cross why yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Just oh, Toru- sorry, uh, YouTuber Toru Yano busted out the the Macan Kosopo. Well, this this is beautiful crossover where it it doesn't you don't blink an eye with the names because it just makes good sense. Speaking of wrestling, <laughs> um, I I know both of us came to Aubrey Citizen as a creator through through uh, the comic book history of pro wrestling. That's the one I was going to see if you knew the full name with all the subtitles, but let's not go there. It's long. I'm glad I said it before you got a chance to ask me. (laughs) Um, Which obviously appealed to both of us as a history of wrestling via comics, which is us in a nutshell, I think. is Yes. And I, whilst that's a, this is is an awkward one, nonfiction is that... (laughs) It's it's nonfiction. Um, I, I feel like fiction versus nonfiction with professional wrestling is always is, is a difficult <laughs> thing to kind of quantify. Yeah, um, but I, I off the back of that, I was very eager to see what else he could do. And yes, I think no one left to fight ticks a lot of the boxes of what I wanted to see from Aubrey Citizen. Yeah. It's something, like I say, like, I like when a, I like homage comics when it's done for something that the character, like, sorry, the writer really does care about. Yeah. Um, And Aubrey Sisson, like, clearly loves, like, um, Dragon Ball in particular. But, like, yeah. um, The, like, because it's, 
it is very heavily dependent upon not like a direct knowledge of um of it but definitely an awareness familiarity with yeah familiarity with some of the tropes and stuff like it's written by someone who knows what the shorthand for those sorts of things is so doesn't exact doesn't feel the need to kind of bog down by establishing too much i, I agree I that but i can't imagine like what it would what it's like for someone with no familiarity yeah th- this is something i was going to bring up so when we, in in the book club meeting we had our newest member alex um bring up that yeah he he hadn't read or seen any dragon ball or dragon ball z so any battle manga yeah so i i guess for a lot of us it was kind of you know we all saw dragon ball when we were younger or like yeah um, but but yeah it's hard to imagine the contrast of without that kind of little bit of knowledge just like what should it's yeah like what should you what should you assume is yeah is like general knowledge like for it like what what can you kind of reasonably expect a person to be able to just assume i think it does a i think like despite like like despite it not going into it too much it still does a good job with its with its dialogue um and sort of body language and stuff and character design work of yeah. telling you a lot about the characters because i mean don't get me wrong the character design is incredibly busy in a way i adore but yeah it does you can kind of look at it and tell who tell like even if you were never told you'd look at like veil and you go oh he's the main character and like yeah you'd look at Timor and go like, oh, yep, he's got like all of these like edgy kind of looking accessories it, and stuff. It's got to like, be said, it's it's the half like metal armor half, on one arm, the cape on the other arm. Yeah, he's got like a half cape. He's got like um <laughs> the the Kamen Rider scarf. Yeah, and uh, then sashes. There's just God. There's so much to unpack. Yeah, like and like. You know, Krista has all of the kind... Yeah, has, like, that same sort of... That that same sort of, like, um, busyness and all these extra little affectations and yeah. stuff where you go... Where you like, like you say, like, you go, oh, yep, these are the three sort of, like, roles in this sort of triad. Yeah, definitely. It's... It, it says a lot, and... Um, as was also mentioned at the meeting, that there's definitely a kind of uh, JRPG feel to it. I, I could very much see the no one left to fight video game being. Yeah, like I'm. It's it's one of these things where I'm just like, I, I was racking my brain trying to think of like what what series of games um, they would it most easily in and part of me was like well they could like some of them could quite comfortably fit in like an arc system works um fighting game like mm-hmm. um like a, a guilty gear um in particular like i could see 
Timor kind of being an alternate skin for like Chip Zena, <laughs> um, who was my main for many years. Um, but like, yeah, there's so much kind of going on that I, I, I'd kind of love to see the characters animated just to see the nightmare that is making all of these extra individual parts of their yeah. costume. Because there's so many moving parts. It's yeah. absurd. And I... So, Fico Arceo's artwork is really nice throughout. And I think his colouring, and um, he doesn't colour it all by himself. There is also... Also some colouring by Racula Vila, which... I'm, I'm not going to lie, I think that both, both colourists complement each other oh, so well yeah, it's hard right. to see the line like i i remember that at um book club some like someone it might have been alex actually said that like the coloring was because he was saying he was a very big fan of like synth wave and yeah. had and like the coloring in particular in this was just like really excited him because it had all those same sort of tones mm. and stuff as you'd get in like a good synthwave video, like all these pinks and purples and yeah. like various sort of shades of blues and um, like near blacks. Mm. Um, like it's very cool. Like and there's no there's like no fear of clashing colours. Yeah, it's, and there's some, it's all, it's very in-your-face colouring, I think there's no two ways about it, and it is almost too much at times, but it is gorgeously done, and there are, yeah, some of the, like, the night sparring scene with Vale and Timor has got these nice purples and blues, which I'm all about. Yeah, Um, Really oh. cool, heavy, sort of, like you say, dark nighttime sort of colours. Which are then reflected again. We see that in the final battle with Bruton. Um, which is nice. It's, it, it, it sets the tone for these big fights. That So many of the fight scenes in this, all the fight scenes, maybe, all happen at night. Yeah, they, yeah I think you're right. Um, which kind of makes sense because then you know you you have the darkness you have the shadows and it allows you to do the big explosions in whatever bright neon colors you want and it you know it's, yeah. it's a nice contrast i um well okay whilst there's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of <laughs> quite quite a lot of fighting for I, a, a book when there's no one left to fight i and, there's not that much it's only like apart from the, the bruton fight i think it's only a couple pages yeah, I mean, it's not the focus, and I guess that's the message. But there's also one of my favourite scenes and that I think really illustrates the like genuine emotion that is available, is there is a spa at the end of the first issue between Vale and Timor, and afterwards, um, so the following day when they're leaving, the two kids, Tay and Tor, come up to their dad, Timor, oh, like, oh, it's yeah, you know, thank you for. We know you saved the city, thank you, and um, we know you would have beaten Uncle Vale 
in, in the fire. Yeah, they're just and, and being his, like, his face they is can just... see their dad needs to hear it. And it kind of immediately made me think, like, oh, God, is, is this all Vegeta ever needed? Just Yeah, just, like, his kids to love and respect him. Um, which, yeah, it, it's really nice, and yeah. it, it, it feels really... Like I say, you get the feeling that without Vale there, he is a good dad. Yeah, definitely. At least he tries to be a good dad. You get that sort of feeling of it, like that, you know, his kids clearly really love him. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I, as I've said on previous podcasts, I'm always there for those little emotional moments. Um, it's just, I, I think it really, I think the the tiniest bit of quality emotion can really set the balance for something that's going to have a lot of action. Yeah. And I, I think without it, books don't always hit right. I think you need to show that there's more to these characters. Mm. And I've got a lot of respect for the fact that Aubrey Citizen and Fico Osseo managed to hit that in kind of a almost low-key sense quite early on. Yeah. And yeah. we see other things. We see... It's easy to show as the tortured hero in Vale, but it's nice to see that the the the, the, uh, the the person who was originally like the tortured um, anti-hero kind of rival is yeah. now actually like whilst like now actually has a happy home life and has yeah yeah. We also see, and it's it's another thing that I I really love. There's a scene. Pretty late on, where we check back in with Fargon babysitting um, Tay and Tor. Thank you. And they're trying to agree on a song to play for the dance off. And I can't remember what the line is, but they can't agree on what the song is that they're going to play. We agreed it's by Billy Katz, who is like yes. the. Um, who, who, Who's like some sort of space cat rock star yeah and he introduces the single issues if you read he, he only makes one appearance at the back of the trade but he introduces every issue in singles um and oh there it is so i found i found what i needed um and when they can't agree on the song fargan says you know being fair isn't about getting what you want it's about making sure everyone gets what they need and god damn that's a good line I- yeah, I I like Fargan. Sorry, Comrade Fargan. Because <laughs> um, he understands equity. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got nothing for that, Matt. Well done. Um I I I like Fargan a lot. Like he's he's barely kind of in the book, but he he's always so sweet and kind. Yeah, and I he's, Initial appearance is just giving Vale a big hug. And, and we get that kind of initial flash of him being shrouded in darkness and kind of threatening. And I think the, the you know, then following that with the hug is really well done. It's very nice. Um, and yeah, like, so, you know, the book takes us, the rest of the book sort of takes us through a few sort of places of emotional significance kind of on the journey that Vale, Timor and Krista took 
um, earlier yeah. on in their lives through, like, you know, we go to, um, like, Mistress Hager's, which is kind of the kind of, like, uh, Kame House, like, Master Roshi situation where, except, like, they, you know, they were raised there as orphans and kind of the different experiences that Vale and Timor in particular kind of had yeah. of the situation, like, and Timor's kind of the abuse kind of Timor suffered there mm. um, and kind of that as the origin of their of, of like their differences as like as adults yeah uh, kind of the you know the, the sense of Vale having everything kind of handed to him and Timor being rejected kind of no matter how hard mm. he he worked and like no matter how much he pushed himself kind of it's yeah and and whilst in the long like like i said like whilst in the long run timor has the better situation yeah it's still something that you very much feel he strived for mm. like didn't just happen for him and like obviously Vale worked hard and tried and really did push himself but like Timor just feels like yeah you you know you kind of understand like it's 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 a it's a more interesting like Vegeta in that regard in the sense of like the like whereas like in whereas in Dragon Ball like Vegeta's rivalry comes from basically always being told that he is superior yeah um, and that you know this kind of racially driven pride and like hierarchy driven pride mm. here it's the opposite it's the being the rivalry comes from having like from having talent but never being uh, have, not just having talent but have, clearly having like a, a very strong drive and work ethic t- towards improving that talent but never being recognized for it and never being mm. given the kind of support that you actually need to to grow yeah like and it makes his relationship it makes his relationship with Vale make so much sense definitely i i completely agree and it's interesting because I, I think the cast of characters, it, it's hard to find fault with any of them. I think Vale, Timor, Krista, uh, the kids, Tato, um, Pod as a additional squid octopus friend is <laughs> brilliant. Um, villain-wise, the Hierophant is legitimately creepy. Yeah. And I, I like the Hierophant's design. It's Again, it's very busy. Um, there's yeah, lots of and medallions. It's like, as I said in the meeting, we in the comic club meeting, it's 
it feels like he's somewhere between The Undertaker and The Punisher. <laughs> I didn't think The Punisher, but... But he's also definitely, uh, you know, like, anthropomorphic bat. Yeah. So, I, I think that's that combination. It's, it's purely because he's got a massive skull on his chest. That's... At least I think he does. I'm pretty sure he's got a massive skull on his chest. Um... Yeah, yeah. kind of. Kind of skull-like. <laughs> um, I, I, I will admit I don't see a skull, but I'm glad that we have different... Oh, wait, no, I, I see it. There's the eyes. Yeah, it's clearer in some pages than others. It depends yes. on the angle they're showing him at. But, I, yeah, Hierophant, pretty, pretty sweet design. Um, Bruton, even though we get a brief glimpse, and Gordespo... Both yeah. look crazy cool and definitely have some, maybe that's it. Maybe there's definitely some wrestling vibes throughout some of the designs, and there's mm. definitely some American comics. Yeah, flashes. it has that that great kind of. I mentioned it in the um, in the meetings. Sorry to go back to the meeting again, everyone. But um, what we do? <laughs> there's this sense of like the kind of late nineties. Um, comics inspired by manga and mm. anime, like people trying to kind of hop on that kind of style, like not exactly like an Adam Warren or anything, but people who were working directly with their own sort of um, IPs and stuff, but that were in, but that were inspired by things, kind yeah. of design aesthetic to it, but more directly kind of like Western comic. It's like it's it's a it's a like the art is a really cool synthesis. Yeah, and there's of something the two, with a lot of like with a lot of design aesthetic of like um of like manga and of like battle manga and stuff, but rendered in like a a Western comics sort of style. Like Ameri- American comics like style. Yeah, and I think it creates a really unique kind of visual that kind of feels like both but also like neither Mm. which i mean that level of unique is i guess what we should always want in comics right for things to feel truly different in the what in what they're going for yeah i don't necessarily think it's the perfect version of this of this comic but Are are you saying it's not even its final form um, <laughs> I'm gonna but, go. I'll uh, yeah, yeah. I'll see you next see time. Yourself out, right? So uh, we're sponsored today, but no. Um, <laughs> so I don't think it's necessarily like the perfect version of this comic, and it's definitely not helped by the fact that it doesn't really solve. It doesn't really give you any answers to anything um, that it sets up. Um. And you don't, you do get to see like the conclusions of some sort of character relationships, like where like between Vale and Winder, um, mm. his like childhood friend. Yeah. Um, like you get to see kind of that, um, like the kind of unrequited romantic feelings there kind of be explored and kind of 
closed. Um, to see really anything else resolved. Yeah, it's it, it's frustrating because I I really liked this book. I read it in singles um, two years ago now, I guess it would have been. Yeah, about that. And I, I knew it was something I wanted us to discuss as a comic book club. I thought a lot of people would like it and there was a lot to go at. It is very frustrating that there isn't more of it. I think it, it's a series that would have only improved and only picked up more people. Yes, like, I definitely like it, but I can't really... It's one of these books where, yeah, like I'm not really sure how strongly I could recommend it without there being more I, i'd say what i would say to someone is if you want if you wanted to look at like an interesting book and know that you may never actually get any answers to anything it asks but you can enjoy sort of a few issues of like of this sort of dragon ball um, esque, like, like I say, like grown up Dragon Ball, where like if Dragon Ball had ended after the Freezer saga or like the Cell saga um, situation, like, mm. and then add on about you know like fifteen <laughs> years. years, yeah, <laughs> like then give it a look, but just go in kind of and expect to be a little disappointed that you don't that there that there isn't a conclusion i i agree and it, it's a it's a shame and i i whilst dark horse release a lot of books that i do legitimately love um they do have a tendency to i guess give up on books that are great i i I can think that there's this, there's the paybacks, there's uh, the Ghost Fleet, which were all books that have been really good and have all been cancelled or not followed up on. And I, I do feel like it is a real shame because I would have gladly gone for more. Yeah, definitely. So um, I think that about covers... Uh, no one left to fight unless you've got anything more to say. Um, I feel like I can keep talking, but I won't say anything new. Yeah. So, um, shall we uh, once again give a quick shout out to our um, sponsors? Yeah, of course. Um, so, uh, as we've said, our, travel- our traveling man are our yep. sponsors. What the fuck? Comics, <laughs> board games, card games, games of sorts merchandise for said games and comics <laughs> they've got them where are they zach leeds york manchester and newcastle yep um we're in manchester that store's great um, yeah obviously we can't go in at the moment but the website's uh always there um, yeah at traveling man dot on stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, and you can hit them up for click and collects now, so that's that's nice. Yeah, um, and yeah, give them a look. Um, they're great. 
if we haven't got all the copies, they might even have no one left to fight. <laughs> they, they might have some left of no one left to fight. Um, but yeah, I think that might bring us to our conclusion. And um, I, I really love this book. I'm just, yes, that's, I'm that's my, my, my final I, I like here. it. I like it a lot. I wouldn't necessarily go as far as saying I love it, but I think I would have come to love it. Yeah. And I, I hope that we do see a Kickstarter continuation or... Yes, that would be... Some, something would in be the, the future. Hope. That would be the hope. Something that it allows it to be put out kind of at, at audience demand. Yeah. Like... Um, Kickstarter or like Patreon or something of the sort. Yeah, I I, I don't need this to run forever. I would just no, like I just like something the, more conclusive as an ending. Yeah, something that actually finishes exploring its ideas. And yeah, yeah. so uh, Zach, what's uh, coming up next on the pod? On the pod, hey, um, it is my understanding that. It will be myself and Angela, and we'll be discussing Resident Alien. Oh. Um, also Dark Horse. And, yeah, yeah, even ties in with what's going on in, like, comic book television and stuff. It's like we are, we're self-aware for once. We're not self-aware, just aware. No, we haven't become, we haven't become aware yet. No, we've not yet become sentient, but... <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's that's next week. It's going to be fun. Um, there's going to be a couple of special episodes coming up as well. Soon. Yep. So. Uh, we're releasing, we're finally putting out, due to popular demand, 20th Century Lads. Um, <laughs> no. Um, that's a surprise someday. to me, but hey, maybe. Sunday. No, it'll be Matt and Angela's. Um, oh, Baywatch Nights. Baywatch Nights. Uh, <laughs> retrospective. But thank you for listening. I've been Zach. I've You've been Matt. been Matt. We we will continue to be. And I like to think <laughs> that we It's you. Every time you're on, this seems ridiculous. And oh, it was yeah, your great. suggestion. We've been bigger than capes. Yeah. And remember that comics are bigger, are than, bigger capes. than capes. No pod left to cast. <laughs>